0: I'm going to try my best to finish this series today. But God's wanting to do something in the house. You may be here because your cousins, uncles, grandchild's getting baptized here in just a little bit. But I'm here to tell you God's got something for you if you will receive it. Wow. Father, right now, (laughs) have your will, have your way in this house. Change us forever, God change us forever in Jesus name we pray amen and amen I want you to turn to two people sitting next to you just stay where you're at we got a lot going on today mr. Roy high-five them and say get off your donkey and you may be seated You may be seated in the house of God today. As I said just a moment ago, we're wrapping up our series. This is the fourth week and final week of the series we have been in simply entitled, Get Off Your Donkey. Today is love in action. (laughs) We've been talking about the story of the Good Samaritan. Each of us have heard it. You, you, you may be sitting there going, oh, I know that. But it's a story within a story. And this is a passage where Jesus is having a conversation with an expert in the law. And the expert in the law comes to a point in the, in the conversation and he looks to Jesus and he says, what do I have to do to have eternal life? And we talked about how we automatically assume that he's talking about getting to heaven. How do I I get to heaven? But in, in the Hebrew and the Jewish custom, that is not the way that they interpreted it. They interpreted it as, how do I have my best life now? How how do I have the the best life available to me right now? How how do I have a a life of purpose? How do I have a, a life of meaning while I'm here on this planet Earth? And then Jesus looks to the expert in law, and he says, here you go. He tells him two things that he's got to do. He says, number one, he says, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and all your mind. And then he turns to him and says, then, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, as we've learned, that was a huge debate back then. It was a huge question with the Jews. And I'm going to talk fast for a few minutes because i got a whole lot to give you. And then the expert in the law turns to him and he says, Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And then Jesus tells the story, beginning in Luke chapter 10, verse 30, says this, Jesus replied with a story, A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. Now, we get this story, the Jewish traveler, he's traveling down the road. Now, this was a very dangerous road back in this time. It was known as the Ascent of Blood. In other words, he was traveling this place that was known for bandits. It was known for uh, uh, thieves. And and it was just a dangerous, dangerous road. Kind of like Chapman Highway. It was a dangerous road. And it was infamous for, for muggings and, and robberies and beatings and just all sorts of crimes take us, taking place. And In Jesus' story, the thieves robbed this man, they beat him, and it says they left him half dead now in in, in Jewish and in Hebrew that phrase simply meant he gonna die any minute You know, in our thoughts, he's half dead. Well, there's time for the paramedic to get there. There's time to call 911. We're going to be okay. But in in, in reality, it meant he's about to die. Any minute, he's going to die. Let's move on to verse 31. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed by him. Could you imagine? We we talked about this a few weeks ago. and and Here's the priest coming. You're half dead. You're about to die any minute. You open one eye halfway, and you see the preacher coming. Whoa, glory, I've got a chance now. I'm going to make it. And then you're waiting for him, and then you look up, and he's on the other side of the road, ignoring you. Going, keep, he keeps going. I mean, I, hope was lost. Hope was lost. And then verse 32, it says a temple assistant, a, a Levite, was walk, walked over and, and looked at him because he wasn't on a horse like the priest was. He wasn't high class, and he's walking, he's a servant, and he, he walks up and he sees him, the Scripture says, and he too moves to the other side and walks right by him. Now could you imagine, you saw the priest coming and he walked by you. Now, now here is the, the Levite, and he comes and he keeps going. Two church leaders, and they didn't do nothing. Wow. He had to have think, my saving grace is done. I, I'm through here. I'm just going to die right here. I am done. So you know what? Then Jesus introduces this third character that we've all heard about and we talked about last week. Remember the first week was just do something. Second week was missed opportunities about how the priest and Levite missed an opportunity to minister. And then last week we talked about the, the servant. We talked about uh, uh, the, the, the good Samaritan. And what he did. And today we're talking about acts of love. So, he, you know, he's got to be thinking that I'm going to die here. And then Jesus throws this twist in the story. And this third character, this Samaritan, comes in. And Jesus is, is trying to, to make a point because he knew the controversy between the Jews and the Samaritans. The Jews thought the Samaritans were just dogs. They thought they were second-rate citizens. They, they, they had no right. There was this big rivalry, kind of like the Hatfields and McCoys going on here. They, they, they just hated each other. They didn't like each other. You know, it was just a huge rivalry. And Luke chapter 10, we're going to pick up verse 33, says this. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and he saw the man. He felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the the, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey, and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper to Danara, telling him, take care of this man, and if his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the the extra the next time I'm here And, and the Samaritan he goes this extra mile he offers to reimburse and, and pay for this man's stay. I mean, he, he's get, he's already given two, he, he's already spent one night taking care of him, already taken the time out of his schedule, already spent the money on the oil and the wine, already spent the money to have him in, in, in the room and taking care of him the night before. Now he gives him two denarii, which was uh, uh, very important because that represented two days' wages. He said, I'm going to pay you for two days just to take care of this man now. If it costs more than that, I'll reimburse you. So he's going over and he's, going beyond and, and we see this story and we just get a part of it sometimes. And Jesus continues the conversation and he says this in verse 36. He looks at the, the expert in the law and he says, Now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. The one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus looked at him and said, yes, now you go and do the same. You got it right. You're interpreting correctly. Now you go and do the same. Now, you know, I feel like we interpret. We, we, we understand this. We get it. But we stop after we answer it, and we don't hear what Jesus says sometimes when he says, now you go and do the same. Help me, Father. Which of these three was his neighbor's? And the expert says the one who had mercy. The one who had mercy. Let's talk about mercy for a minute. What is mercy? Mercy is simply this. It's love in action. Mercy is love in action. Now, in our southern mindset, we, we think feeling sorry for somebody is mercy. We think when our, our heart tugs and, and we see that homeless person that, oh, I feel, so, man, I just feel so sorry. Oh, my heart's broken for them. And we keep going. We keep going. You know, in the south, you can say anything you want to about somebody if you've Preface it with, bless their heart. Bless their heart! That poor Jeremy, bless his heart. Amen, Nikki. But we think, and that's kind of our mindset, we think that it's, uh, mercy is just an emotional tug. It's, it's an emotional, I feel sorry for them, I, I feel compassion for them. And, and we, we, we think it's just this emotion and, and this feeling sorry for them. And it's like seeing someone in need and we keep going. You see, mercy is more than feeling sorry for someone. It's more than. I hope you hear me this morning this is where we've been going for this is the fourth week now you see mercy is simply doing something about it mercy is getting off your donkey interpret that how you will and doing something about it get off your donkey get off Your donkey, the Bible says that the Samaritan took pity on him. He wasn't riding his donkey. Look, man, that poor guy. I can't believe they mugged him and robbed him like that. Bless his heart and keep going. No, he had pity. He stopped, he dismounted, and he did something. You see, mercy in the dictionary, it, it, it gives us two concepts of mercy. And in the dictionary, it says one, one is refraining from harm or punishment, and then the second one is an unexpected kindness. So, huh. Two different uh, uh, sides of mercy here. That, that forgiving side of mercy, which is withholding what someone deserves, oh my, With withholding what someone deserves, refraining from punishments, I'm guilty and I'm sorry. Come on now. You know how your kids try that when you're in trouble? I'm really sorry, Dad. You don't have to whip me. I won't do it again. Am I the only one that's heard that? It's showing the grace and the mercy in not giving what is deserved. Getting something you don't deserve. How about Christ going to the cross? Anybody received Him? <laughs> and then you got the, the the second concept of mercy, and mm, it's this compassion side of mercy. It's the the giving of what they don't deserve. Part of it. So you've got the forgiving side and and forgiving them for it, and then you've got the compassion side of mercy. Forgiving is withholding what is deserved, and then you've got the compassion side that is going the extra mile, and that's what's unfolding here with the Good Samaritan. You're seeing mercy in action. The Good Samaritan got off his donkey showing mercy and did something. Mercy in action, love in action. He didn't just feel sorry for him and go bless his heart. He said bless his heart and he followed it with action. Come on now. He actually got off his donkey and he actually did something. He didn't just go call the pastor or the youth pastor or the minister of music or his Sunday school teacher. But he did something. He got off his donkey and did something. The guy was going to die any minute. And here we see love in action. Wow. And Jesus looks at the expert in the law in verse 37. He says, and I want you to do the same. I want you to go and do likewise. I want you to go and do it. You see, we see in this story so often random acts of kindness, and we think that's what it's all about that we just need to do random acts of kindness. We need to, to buy the guy behind us in line at Starbucks' his coffee, and that's wonderful and that's great. And praise God, I was a recipient of one of those this week. Woo! It's wonderful. Yes, we need to do those things. However, there's a lot more to it than that. It's about putting love into practice. It's about putting love into action. There's a great movie out not long ago, and I, I want to show you the clip, but anyway. Um, anybody seen The Blind Side? Most everybody's seen The Blind Side. I'm sure surely you've seen The Blind Side. If you've not seen The Blind Side, shame on you, go home and watch it today. Fabulous, true story about Michael Orr and what happened, but you, you, you've got Leanne Tahui, and, and she takes in uh, Michael Orr. He's on the street. He's this big 300-pound kid that's living on the street. And she takes him in. They're very wealthy. They, they, they own Taco Bells all over the place. And, and they've got just tons of money. And, and there's this one scene where, where Leanne is going in to have lunch with her uh, housewives of Beverly Hills crew. You know, the, the high fluent. They're going into the country club for lunch. And, and, and she walks in, and, and they're talking about it, and they're, they're making these statements about it. And, and, and she, she tells the point, and she says, you know, if this is what it's about, I can find a lot cheaper, better salad closer to home. And then she goes on, and they say, well, it's just amazing the difference you're making in this young man's life. And she stops, and she looks back, and she says, no, the difference he's making in my life. No. And you all know the story. He went on to play in the NFL and yada, 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 all because they took time for him. And she said, no, it's not about what I'm doing for him. It's about what he has done for me. It's the change that he's made in me. And folks, I'm here to tell you, I believe when we roll up our sleeves and we do something for someone else, it changes our lives. It will change you. As I stated last week, you were born to be blessed, but it doesn't stop there. You are also born to be a blessing. There's somebody in your life that God has placed there that you are to be a blessing to them. Wow. And we are blessed when we bless others. We are, we are so blessed when we bless other folks. So how do we show mercy? I'm gonna give you three simple things this morning, and I'm trying to rush because I can't wait to get to this baptism. I, I, I believe the Holy Spirit's gonna follow you. Oh, anyway, I, I got three simple things I wanna show you on how to show mercy. Number one, mercy begins with awareness. In other words, look for the needs around you, look for the needs in the folks that you come in contact with every day. In other words, you gotta start looking you got to look in your neighborhood. Maybe your friendship group at work. You've got to look. You've got to have your eyes open. Maybe start by looking in your family, and your extended family. Who needs you? You see, mercy always begins with awareness. It's got to begin with awareness. It simply means paying attention to those around you. Paying attention to those who, who are there. The Samaritan could have just not even paid attention and kept going right by him, but he was aware and he noticed and he saw it. It it means that we—it's got to begin by us taking notice. You know, I know this is going to be hard for some of you to really comprehend, but you learn so much by just listening. A few of you caught that. You learn so much just by listening. I want to ask you, what do you see going on around you right now? What do you see happening in your world? What needs do you see that you can meet? What do you you see happening? You see, the reason most of us are not merciful, it's because we're too busy to see it. And we're too busy to take note of it. We're too busy to realize it and take notice of what's happening around us. We're not bad people. We just don't notice it. I'll, I'll talk to Scott anyway. As I've told you, this whole series has been for me. God has just rocked me through this whole thing. I'm doing things I never dreamed I would do. What do you see going on? You see, we're so busy that we're, we're not paying attention to those things going on around us. We're not paying attention to, to what's taking place. If you're not looking and listening, you're not going to be Merciful. Because you're not going to see the place to do it. Number two, mercy flows out of unconditional love. What am I saying? Don't be offended by other folks' sin. They're not where you are spiritually. Oh my. Grace is messy. Grace is messy. Ecclesiastes tells us if if you're you're stalling, your barn is, is clean, you're not doing anything. It gets messy. In other words, you need to be waiting about knee deep in it, I guess. If you're going to be operating grace, it's messy. We cannot let other folks' decision or their situation in life keep us from rolling up our sleeves and helping. Yeah, they may have made a bad decision. Yeah, they, they, they probably shouldn't be where they're at. Yeah, it probably was because they made a stupid decision. But how many in this house can raise your hand and say, I've never made a stupid decision? We all have. You see, (laughs) I want to look at that person so often and say, if you would just get up off your tush and get a job and get on with business, you'll be okay. Just being honest. Throw stones if you want. But I'd say, majority of you have all thought the same thing. I mean, how many times have you seen him holding the sign and you think, why don't you go get a job instead of sitting here holding the sign? Come on now. You know, you want to look at him and say, just do something. And you see, I have to overcome that attitude. Because I cannot be that way as a follower of Christ. We have to come to a place where we accept people no matter where they're at on their journey in this life. No matter what's going on in their journey to this point, we've got to accept them. We've got to love them. You've got to accept people. I've got to look out for people. If I'm not how, how can I help somebody if I'm looking down on them? I stopped to get gas down the road here in South Knoxville one day this week. And uh, I get out, and uh, there's this young man just sitting. And you can tell he's homeless. I'm like, oh boy, here it comes. Now, y'all, am I the only one who's ever thought that? And then Holy Spirit pricked my heart and said, what are you teaching, young man? What are you, come on now. So I, I walk up, and he, he says, man, do you have any idea? And I started to say, I don't have cash right now, but what? And he said, do you have any idea where I can get a job? He said, I need some work. You know, I could do some landscaping. You know anywhere." I said, man, the only one I know is on vacation right now that does landscaping. Just a minute. And you know what I did? I sat down on that curb beside him. I said, tell me your story, man. What's going on with you? Well, I'm from South Carolina. I left home, and he began to tell me this long story. He'd tear up every now and then. I said, I listened. Listen. And then I looked him in the eye, and I said, I t- here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you some money, but you better not go in here and buy beer. You hear me? Let's go get you something to eat. He said, I promise, sir, I won't. And we sit there. I gave him some money, and we sit there, and we talked for a few more minutes. And I was getting ready to leave. And he said, you are the first person since I've been in this situation that looked me in the eye and sat down next to me. Folks, that broke my heart. How many people do we not notice and that we do not act in love and we walk right by? And we walk right by them. You see, if you are a believer in Christ and you call yourself a Christian and you're looking down on somebody, you can't help them. You can't help them. Jude says this in Jude chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, and you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy to still others, but do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. Folks, they're not where you are spiritually. Their faith may be teetering back and forth. We have to show mercy. And yeah, we have to use caution. Yeah, that's where the balance comes in. In other words, what you've got to do, hate the sin, but love the person. Love the person. You know, showing mercy doesn't mean that I approve of everything you're doing. Showing mercy doesn't mean that I approve and say, oh, go live how you want to. Go do what you want to do. No. No. No, it's not okay. It's not okay being addicted. And when I say addicted, I'm not just talking about the drug addict that's laying down in the street right now. Some of y'all addicted to Facebook. So, I better leave that one alone. <laughs> I'm going to be dodging stones in a minute. We could go down a list of addictions. Statistically, there's a majority of men in this house that's addicted to internet pornography. Keep quiet on me now. No, it's not okay. And when I say show mercy and grace, I'm not saying show that you approve and tell them you approve. It's not okay. Showing mercy is not saying everything is fine. Showing mercy doesn't mean that we look the other way. There's a difference between acceptance and approval there's a big difference in acceptance and approval you see just be transparent and honest Jesus accepts me Jesus loves me I venture to say he doesn't approve everything Scott thinks and does he loves me he accepts me even when Charlotte's ready to wring my neck He loves me. Even when she tells me, i got to go to my mom's house, He loves me. When she says, get out of here and go bike riding, He loves me. And she's never done any of those things. And that is the truth. But you see, it's so unrealistic for us to expect a non-believer a non-Christian to say, have the same moral standards that we have? And how are we going to teach them if we don't accept them? If we don't love them, how, how are we going to get through the door with them? How, how are we even going to present Christ to them if we don't accept them? You see, they don't understand the blood of Christ. They don't understand that it washes away their sins. They don't understand it. And, and they definitely don't have the power to resist. Because they don't have the Holy Spirit inside of them yet. It's our responsibility to love them and to accept them as they are. So we show mercy by showing unconditional love. Number three, got to get moving. Showing mercy means choosing your words wisely. You are never persuasive when you are abrasive. And maybe that was just for me. Maybe I'm the only one that likes to talk before I think. My mouth has a tendency to go... And I'm like, oh, you big dummy. Choose your words. Why? You know what that means? That means, Scott, put a monitor on your mouth. Put a monitor on your mouth. You know, if I want to show mercy, there's some things that I simply cannot say. I simply can't say it. I'm going to say that one more time because I want you to hear it. If I want to show mercy there are some things that I just simply can't say. It may be the truth, and it may need to be said eventually, but there's times I, I, I can't say it. I mean, I mean, really. You don't know how many times I'm sitting in there listening to folks, and I want to look across that desk and say, hold up. Put your big girl panties on. It's life. Let's go. I, sorry, I'm just reeling me. My mom looked at me like, son... Have you ever been talking to somebody and thought that? Maybe not in those exact words, but you know you can't say it. But you know what my saving grace is? There's coming a time when I can say it. When they're maturing and growing, I can look at them and say, See, if you'd only taken them off then. You know, it may be the truth. And it may need what needs to be said, but mercy says, I'm not going to say that right now. Mercy says, I'm going to watch my words, and, and I'm not going to be mean to people. I'm not going to be rude to people. I'm not going to be sarcastic to people. I'm not going to put people down. Did anybody besides my mom hear me there? Great, I'm going to read them again. I'm not going to be mean to people. I'm not going to be rude to people. I'm not going to be sarcastic to folks. I'm going to use my words wisely, and I am not going to talk down to folks. Huh. I'm going to choose my words wisely. Colossians 4:6. Let your conversations be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response to everyone. Let your words be gracious. What am I saying? Cut them some slack. Anybody ever need some slack before? Oh, have I ever? Have I ever? Cut them some slack. Give them some Grace. Let your words be attractive. In other words, let your words be like a magnet that draws them to you. Because when you draw them close to you, then you earn the right to give them Jesus. Then you earn the right to lead them into some discipleship. Then you earn the right to present it to them. Let your words be a magnet and draw them to you. You're never going to be persuasive if you are abrasive. You know, I tell, I've told my kids their whole life, Kindness will get you a lot further. Kindness will get you a whole lot further. (laughs) You know, tomorrow morning, each and every one of us are going to get up and we're going to go into our world. Work, school, whatever it may be. You've heard this message over the last four weeks about the Good Samaritan. We've discussed and we've heard the story We've talked about the wounded man on the side of the streets. We've looked at the Good Samaritan getting off his donkey and doing something. So what do we do now? What do we do now? I have never made a series. I've never spoke four weeks on the Good Samaritan. What do we do now? What do we do? What, What is our next step I'm going to give you six really fast ones. And I want you to consider these as you're going into your world tomorrow morning. When you get up to go into your world, number one, look for people in crisis. And not only look for them, listen to them. Listen to them. Hear me. Listen to them. I'll never forget that young man looking at me and saying, You're the first person that's listened to me. You're the first one that has just even listened to me. Now, I wish that could tell you that that was my first thought and my first natural instinct. My first thought was, I really don't have time. I've got a meeting I've got to get to. Then I said, Ah, okay, I'm going to text him. I'm going to be late. Okay, God, I get you. Slow down. Listen to them. Look for them. You want to help someone? Listen to them. there is more healing in listening. Why do you think people pay counselors? Just have somebody to listen to them. Listen. Galatians 6.2 says, Share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. You're obeying Christ if you listen. If you'll just listen. You see, burden. a burden is anything that causes emotional distress. Anything. So how do we carry them? It starts by listening. And somebody hear this and I'm going to move to the next one because i got to get through these really fast. It's listening, not trumping. Oh, you want to talk about hard on your luck? Let me tell you about that. You think you had a bad week? Let me tell you what happened in my week. They don't care. They don't know Christ. They don't care. They just need somebody to listen to them. Don't trumpet. Listen. I got a pastor friend that's in Florida. And I could walk out of here today and if he called me. I said, Man, we had a powerful service. We had 350 there and 600 of them got saved. He would say, Oh, man, that's awesome, but we had 1,200 and 1,500 got saved. He's always trumping it. You know, he always and it was kind of a standing joke amongst all of us, and we'd kid him in his face and tell, you know, we'd laugh at him. But how often does somebody start talking and we think we gotta trumpet? Let's make them feel better by trumpeting it. They don't care, just listen. Amen. Just listen. <laughs> Look for people who have needs, unmet needs, and help them. That's number two. You see, it may be as simple is somebody needing a ride tomorrow. And while I'm there, today at 4 o'clock we're having my ride training. If you want to volunteer and help out, with are partnering, we're living on We've done one training, we're having a second training today at 4 o'clock. Come and get trained, and we'll, God's going to use you and open the door for you to minister. And listen, to do exactly this, listen, listen. Wow. It may be that somebody... Needs work done on their house. Hey, while we're there, Serve Day 2019 is next Sunday. Wear your work clothes to church because we're going to worship and we're going to split up and go meet all kinds of needs in the community. And then we're going to come back here and there's going to be a fantastic barbecue. Chow down. Feast. Thank you. I have worked hard for four weeks preaching this. And the only amen I got about putting it into practice was my mama. So one more time. Next Sunday, Serve Day 2019 happens. We're going to come in and worship for a few minutes, and we're going to go into our community and serve and make a difference. Yeah, Yeah, that's more better. What am I telling you? Look for those in need and help out. Romans 15 and 2 says this, Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up We are going to build up, folks, number three, look for people who are grieving and comfort them. Folks, loss is common. There's people with loss all around you. Not necessarily the death of a loved one, but maybe the loss of a job. Maybe the loss of a dream. Maybe the loss of their savings. Maybe the the loss of a relationship. Maybe a loss in their help. Loss is a universal problem, And there is no loss without grieving and pain. So just maybe this week, you're going to come in contact with someone who is experiencing loss and is grieving just simply, simple, practical things and not overcomplicated stuff. It may be simply just feed them. It may simply be just a big smile and a hug. I wish Casey was here. Casey's our Wednesday night greeter. He's got the biggest smile, and he, uh, uh, he's great. Sometimes it's all it takes. I love to see him come walking in. He'll come in. That's some way to get faster! And he, just, and he just brightens my night. It just cheers me up, just that excited over life. That's all they need. It may cost you a few bucks. They may need some help. It may simply be just sending them a card. Thank you, Miss Judy, for sending birthday cards for me. You know how many comments I get from kids and adults? Oh, I got a birthday card from you. I'm like, yeah, I worked hard on it. Thank you, Judy. <laughs> it, may, it may simply be sending a text message. Number four look for people this week needing a friend and show hospitality. You see, what am I saying? Just be kind. Just be nice. Be nice to somebody. I know for a few of you folks it might be hard, but just be nice. Yeah, I be- I'm going to tell you, I believe that loneliness is one of the greatest challenges we have in this generation, in this culture. In our American culture. But why? Because we are so connected in so many ways, but we're not connected with one another. I was watching a group the other night. They were sitting at a table and every one of them texting. I believe they were probably texting each other because you see them giggle on their table. like, really? We're so disconnected. That's fearful. We're just lonely. And I'll be honest, I think God hates loneliness because He tells us in Genesis that He saw that man was lonely, so He created for Him a helpmate, created for Him a partner. Romans 12 13 says, When God's people are in need, be ready to help. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Fifth way that we can show mercy is look for people who need a second chance. (laughs) Am I the only one that needs a second chance? A third chance? A tenth chance? A hundredth chance? Give them a second chance. Everybody has made mistakes. Everybody's got flaws. They're not as perfect as we are. (laughs) I mean, look for people who are going through a period of failure. Maybe they failed in a relationship. Maybe they failed in a job. You may meet somebody this week that has failed at something, and and you're going to be the one that gives them a second chance. What a powerful way to show mercy, love, and action. Wow! Number six, look for people who are rude and be kind. (laughs) In other words, don't you be the rude one. Look for somebody rude and be kind. Why? Because God has placed us in this community to be His voice and to be kind to people. Folks, we live in a broken world. And yes, broken people are rude folk. Broken people are rude folk. <laughs> I know they don't deserve it, but 1 Peter 3.9 says this, Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. Ooh, ouch, Lord. That is what God has called you to do, and He will grant you His blessing. Oh, did you hear that? Don't retaliate. Pay them with a blessing. And God's going to grant you blessings. In other words, hold your tongue and be nice. Hold your tongue and be kind. The Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath. Yes, it's painful. But His blessing will come. It's painful, but His blessing will come. Remember... Thinking about these six things come tomorrow, it's going to cost you something. Pastor Eric, if you'll come help me, I'm wrapping up. I'm done. And last week we talked about it will cost you. It may cost you time, it may cost you finances. And if some of the folks you're working with are like some of the ones I work with, it's going to cost you patience. Come on, now the people in your world, it's gonna cost you patience sometimes. It's gonna cost you energy. Two last scriptures found in Matthew chapter 25. 35 says this For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your house. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. And Down to verse 39. They said, when did we ever see you sick or in a prison and visit you? And he said, I'll tell you the truth. When you did this to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it unto me. Colossians says everything you do do it as unto the Lord. Love in action. These passages I just read are the essence of Christianity. We study the good Samaritan for 4 weeks now. It's time to do something. Now, your pastor's going to be brokenhearted if next Sunday we come in here and it's me and the staff to go out and work. I'm just being transparent and honest with you. I've got, my wife said, how many projects are you going to take on? I said, as many as we can. As many as it come to me. If That means we got to go back all week. I'll go back. But we've got some projects that we got to complete. We're going to be Jesus with skin on next week. And It doesn't have to wait till next Sunday to start. Take it with you tomorrow with these six steps. What am I telling you? Bottom line: Get off your Get off your donkey. It's time to be kind. Don't overcomplicate the story, because folks, this story is right where we live. We pass by folks that are beaten half to death every single day. Maybe not physically, but emotionally. Spiritually. I met with someone this week that has just been beat up spiritually by spiritual leadership in a church and has just beat them over religion. I just love them. That's all we can do. Stand with me. Father, right now, help us to get off our donkey and to move forward. God, if there's one in the house today that maybe they feel as if they are the one who was walking down the road and has been beat up and left lying there half dead, God, right now, Touch them. Let them sense you. Let them sense your nearness. And God let us love like you love. God help me to take notes. Then help me to speak kindly. And help me be willing to take the time to meet the need God I pray for open doors this week I pray that you start it today for people as they take notice and they see needs around them to get off their donkey with every head bowed and every eye closed maybe you're in this house today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior I'm here to tell you today that He loves you and so do we And His Word says all you got to do is call upon Him and He's going to rescue and save you. So I'm going to challenge you if you don't have a relationship with Christ to do as the Word says when He says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling and He tells us all we got to do is admit we're away from Him and, and confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and believe in our hearts and we can receive Him. And right now, as they just begin to play softly, I challenge you to do that. you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Make us servants, God. Make us servants. If you're going to be baptized today, I'm going to ask that if you would go ahead and exit and meet Mr. Jeremy and Miss Charlotte at the rear of the sanctuary or at the foyer back there. You may be seated in the house. This is such an exciting time for me because of what this represents and baptism by Immersion is a direct command of our Lord and Savior. And it's for believers. It's a, I, I don't like using this term, it's the only one I can think of. It's an outward symbol of what's happened in here. Just like a, a wedding band is a, a symbol of the covenant between a man and a woman, baptism is a symbol of what's happened inside of here. It's a part of death, burial, and resurrection with Christ. Because once we accept Christ and we're baptized, we we go down and we're burying those old grave clothes, and we're coming up without them. And folks, I am praying that Holy Spirit, in our children and adults alike, encounter them. As they're being baptized. You may think I'm crazy, but I've seen folks healed. I've seen them delivered and set free. Coming up from a baptism service. I've seen God touch and do some radical things in a baptism. So I'm not doing this and, and just throwing it in at the end of the service. No, this is part of our service. Because you see, this is one of the greatest things. This is one of our goals. As we are getting off of our donkeys, this is where we're leading folks to. This is where we're taking them in their discipleship process, in their next step processes. We're bringing them here to become those disciples of Christ. And I am so proud of each and every one from the youngest to the oldest. And I ask that as we begin to Go through this ceremony and this rejoicing. This is a time of rejoicing, man. If I start hoping and hollering when I bring somebody up, just overlook your pastor because I'm excited. You may want to join me. It feels pretty good. <laughs> because if that was your son or daughter or your grandchild, and you've seen where God's brought them, you'd be excited too. And we're family. If I could sing, I'd break into We Are Family right here. We're family. And we're going to rejoice one with another. And Jeremy, as soon as they're ready, bring them on in. Bring them on in like they're inmates or something. (laughs) They're going to trial now. So as we begin to worship, good idea, as a part of this baptism, I'm just going to ask that, yeah, take pictures. Yeah, you want that? That's, I want to see them. Send them to me, please, when you take them. But I ask that you be in an attitude of worship. And as they're coming into the baptistry, I ask that you begin to intercede on their behalf and believe God to do something for them. Amen. So as they're fin- finishing up, I'm going to ask Pastor Cor- uh, Eric to just lead us in some worship. And Pastor Corbin, if you will get a mic and come join me as we're preparing.